Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 125. 125. And uh, as you guys can see, we've got like a setup as if we've got an interview. But this isn't an interview. This is something a little different. Uh, and I it's hope you guys It's a lot different. Like it. Yeah, I guess that's true. It is a lot different. But, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm always excited about trying new things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we could do the same old, same old. And, a lot. Of, you know, it's something you and I have talked about. Like, we should be doing the same old, same old because we'd probably be growing a lot faster now. But. You got to branch out, try some new things. Yeah. But we enjoy what we do. Yeah. You know what I mean, we don't want to burn out and we want to bring value to you in a different way. And so what do we got planned? So uh, for this episode, we've got something really cool. We are going to be doing a, I guess it's like a reaction video. Like it's a reactionary video. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to really necessarily call it a reaction video because I think that has some some certain connotations of like what what to expect. Uh, but it's kind of a, a review, a critique, a, a us examining something and kind of talking about it. So you actually... Uh, hey, let's make it a little more exciting. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm in class right now. So, which some of you that are we listening are probably okay with that. Yeah, so... And analyze. So one new thing we want to try out is that we don't think has been done in the recently world and maybe it has, it has been done. You know, you watch those reaction videos, right? And right. People do it to music videos or they do it to movies, but no one's really touched like anything that's like recently related. Right. True. Right. And so there's some good content on there. And there's some things we have down the line that we want to do reaction videos to. Now, we're not going to be hating on anybody. No. Yeah. Like <laughs> our, our, our goal here is not to uh, to be those people who um, critique and mock others, others videos and kind of point out flaws. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe down the line, we'll, we'll point out things where if there's clearly mistakes that are being said in the community and that, that we want to address. But uh, you know, Orlando and I are are very big on on being positive, and, oh, yeah, and we want to uplift people. Right? Yeah, very true. But you know, we also want to talk about a lot of things, and we feel that the video that we're starting off with today is going to bring value. Yeah, and this one's kind of cool because you've actually we're going to be reviewing uh, the most recent documentary that came out on Amazon. I think it was on uh, what was it? PBS? It was on PBS. It was a frontline documentary, and it was called "The Rise and Reign of Jeff." Bezos. Yeah. And so you can just tell by the title kind of a... Uh, the rise and rain. Yeah, the rise and rain. You notice though, it wasn't the rise and fall. That's true. The rise and rain. Like he's yeah. ruling over us like right now. Exactly. Yeah. And so maybe this is kind of almost an anticipation of a fall, like the the title there even. But like, right, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, so for now, he, Amazon is still a powerhouse and, and Bezos is, is a powerhouse. So uh, what we're going to do, it's, it's interesting because Orlando has actually watched the entire documentary. So he'll have a little bit Twice. more. Okay. So Twice. he's got a lot maybe more insight. Times. I haven't seen it at all. So all of these clips that we're going to be watching today, um, he took some some highlights from the video, things that we could maybe directly related to reselling or just things that we can kind of talk about with Amazon. Uh, so we're going to play the videos. Um, if you're listening on audio, great. Like I think the the audio itself kind of speaks for itself a lot of the times. Uh, but if you want to jump over to YouTube and check it out too over there, uh, watch the video over there. Um, we're hoping um, just to be 100% upfront. We've never done this before. Uh, and we're we're definitely, this is not, this is not like you're not going to watch the documentary. We are going to show like short clips of it and us talk about it. So we don't want there to be like, you know, copyright issues. Yeah, and, but and I stuff, think so. you should watch it. I really think it'll bring you value as a reseller, as, you know, just somebody that's interested in what's going on as far as business. I think it's a I think it's a great video to watch. So, you know, I don't know if PBS is watching us, but if yeah. they are. We encourage every single listener and watcher on YouTube to watch this. And this is just little excerpts for yeah. us to discuss. Just kind of like we do with the book reviews. Um, and, and we're going to play little clips of the video. 
Um, if you're just listening on the podcast, hopefully, like I said, that the clips will kind of speak for themselves. We'll kind of describe a little bit what we saw and what was happening. Uh, but if, again, if you want to jump over to YouTube, uh, give us a like over there, subscribe over there, because you never know when you'll see some stuff. Uh, we'll play little clips of, of the video on here. So, um, all right. Anything else you want to say before we jump into the first clip? No, I'm, I'm ready. Let's you're ready? Do, let's do this. All right. Here we go. We're just going to play it. I'm Jeff Bezos. What is your claim to fame? <laughs> I'm the founder of Ooh, Amazon. Listen to that evil laugh. From the award-winning oh, producers of The Facebook Dilemma. Richest guy in the That right there, that sound. Like, what is the deal? Amazon. Amazon taking over the world, a good Little thing. Michael Bay in there. Questioning those who run the company. What would you say to someone who feels as though humans are increasingly being treated like robots? That's not the issue. a lot of staff who work setting it up. And those no longer there. It's hooking you, though. I assume there is a pretty high safety standard on Amazon. And that assumption would be incorrect. The Ooh. tools are not what I call battle-tested. I'm asking if Amazon is a monopoly. The question for the democracy is, are we okay with one company essentially winning capitalism. How do Whoa. you and Jeff think that is about the call to break you guys up? Simply because the company's been successful doesn't mean it's somehow too big. Now on front lines. true. Domination was very much the idea. Amazon empire. Ooh. I love that picture they ended with. Yeah. Like this stoic kind of like... I rule everything. Yeah, all the effects. I mean, you could just tell, like, so I haven't seen the documentary yet, but uh, just kind of like that intro to it, it, it's very well produced, right? So hats off to their production team. Um, but you can, I mean, so I do some video on the side that's, you know, extra stuff. And I've got friends who um, actually do uh, like make short videos, like they, they make films, indie films and stuff. And music is huge, like the scoring of music. And I think you can tell a lot. Like I always tell my students, like when you're reading a book, Books don't have audio. They don't have lights to play with. They have to create mood and tone another way. But there's very clearly like a certain mood being set, even just with the opening there, right? No, there is. And you know what? What's interesting <laughs> about it is that it 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 looks like a like a hit piece already. Yeah, <laughs> from the beginning. Here's what's interesting. Did you know that the day before this guy dropped was when Bezos pledged ten billion dollars to help fight climate change? I'm not saying we're not. This isn't you know, not conspiracy, but it's kind of interesting that the day before you know, not that yeah. I don't think anybody wakes up and goes, "I'm going to drop ten billion dollars." Yeah, you know what I mean. Or million was it million? Of- no, it's billion. Billion. Ooh, ten billion dollars. That's that's intense. So I would say hats off to him too. Yeah. So I would say with something like that, um, it, it's it's pretty clear that, um, yeah, there's there's probably an agenda behind every documentary. Every when somebody writes a book, when somebody creates a video, there's always there's a purpose. There's a purpose behind it. Um, and I think it's kind of easy to tell maybe some of the purpose on here. But I think we're gonna get like a lot of inside information on on Amazon and some interviews and stuff, which will be good. Uh, but. It's not a bad thing, too, though. Reputation is important. And so Amazon and Bezos realized that a video like this, a documentary like this, might have a negative impact on the outlook of the company. And so we you could say whatever you want about like how much money somebody has and how much money companies make. Uh, but then when they go ahead and turn around and, and put a bunch of that money towards things that we would want money to go towards, we could say, okay, so whether or not it is just a saving face or trying to make them look good, a publicity stunt, as it were, um, it's kind of a, a good thing. I remember... There was a fire, uh, like, because we live in Southern California, so there's fires all the time. Um, and I remember when I was in high school, there was this huge fire that broke out. And I, I did some, like, volunteer work at at a uh, fairgrounds where they brought a bunch of animals so people could, like, okay. put their animals there. And while I was there, companies were racing 
to donate. So it was like, how fast and how much would Walmart give? And then after Walmart gave, I remember I talked to somebody afterwards that like, I think they worked for Target and it was like, okay, they got on the phone. How much money did Walmart give? Really? Okay, we need to give more than that, right? And so even though it's kind of like a publicity stunt in some ways, it's like, well, but there's people who benefit from it. So it's we can- for the good. I mean, yeah. you know, this is, I, I was just sharing that because, you know, it just, I thought it was an interesting scenario, you know? Uh, but- I think the the sense I get with that video is like I resonate with that as a reseller, mm. right? Because it's kind of a lot of the things we're going to talk about today. So this is going to be practical because it's not going to be just us commenting on a video. It's going to be us sharing. Okay, so as a reseller, what is this showing us, and what are some things we can take out of it, right? And I, that obviously, be careful with Amazon, but we know that. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't, if you weren't <laughs> watching the video, like they had like people walking on the streets and like like boxes going around their faces as if like the 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 technology is able to track people and there's all these things that go on and even like the idea of treating people like they're robots and like robots kind of taking over amazon facilities and people working in these like factories um and so you know there's probably some bad things to say about that but you know at the same time amazon employs a lot of people and not only the people they directly employ and we've talked about you know people who get jobs like delivering for amazon and things like that but as resellers amazon is is crucial for so many people's income, right? Well, yeah, it was for mine. Yeah, so... Agreed, but, you know, I had concerns and that's why I kind of backtracked a little bit and gone back to eBay. But uh, let, let's play Let's play right. the next one. Let, clip, let's move on here. Clip number two. Because, you know, I, <laughs> I'm trying to remember everything how it's set up, but the interesting thing is that each of these clips kind of... I don't know. Let's see. Let's see where this goes. This is our first try at this. Bezos was quick to see the untapped potential of the new digital landscape and was determined to get in on Look it. Look at those computers, man. I came across the startling statistic that web usage was growing at 2,300% a year. So I decided I would try and find a business plan that made sense in the context of that growth. And I picked books His as look the first best product to sell online. It's so different now than yeah. back then, right? Because books are incredibly unusual in one respect. And that is that there are more items in the book category than there are items in any other category by far. Wow. So See, there are a lot of that many that. items yeah. could literally build a store online that couldn't exist any other way. I mean, that's true. I mean, I think that's how I started buying on Amazon. I think that's how a lot of people did. I was... I. I always feel like I was an early adapter of Amazon, even though <laughs> I, I, I should have uh, bought into stock. But I was using Amazon when I was in high school to buy, because I was I was dual enrolled in high school, so I was taking classes at a community college. And I was, when I first went, and they were like, yeah, you can buy used books. There's this place down the street, you can buy used books. And I remember I just went home, and I was like, well, there's like the internet now. And it's still, people weren't buying tons of stuff on, I mean, Amazon was barely a thing yet. And I was looking up books and I could get them cheaper, use college books on Amazon. Well, they talk about that in there. They share. And, you know, obviously we can't share the whole documentary, but you should watch it. How Amazon had a huge advantage because you didn't have to pay sales tax. Mm, yep. Right. That's all different now. But actually, it's only been different the last two years. And I know the big part of that being different. I know Home Depot is actually one of the big companies that was in a lawsuit to help make that happen because they felt like they couldn't compete. Right. Because, yeah, they were selling without sales tax and... Um, even then, the shipping wasn't bad. A lot of it, I think a lot of the books that I got were probably merchant fulfilled. They weren't even FBA. Mm -hmm. um, but it's true. Like, so when you walk into, that's the crazy thing. Like, you can walk into a library and there's just countless books, but you're not even touching the surface of the books that are available. And if you're looking for a very specific type of book, a certain textbook, a certain book, chances of that library even having it, like you're hoping that the catalog of libraries in your local area might have one that they could ship to you, right? So he's saying like, you can create a store online that, that physically couldn't exist in a brick and mortar store 
just because the 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 scope of the amount of books that are available. See, and the, I, this genius in there, yeah, you know, and the fact that when I watched that, I remember thinking about, wow, there he's right. Like, there's all kinds of books, mm. right? It's not just like one thing. And I think in reselling, it's the same thing. I think we get stuck picking up and sourcing the same things, mm. but there's so many varieties of one item, right? Right there, there may be parts of your own niche that you are missing. Yep. Yep. Right. And, and, you know, I, I think Bezos is what he is today is because he had that long-term thinking and we'll watch some of that later on in this reaction video yep. where Bezos is able to foresee things. I mean, books like, you know, I, when's the last time you walked into, let's say a Barnes and Noble? Often, but when I do, I'm scanning Before the games. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, no, actually Barnes and Noble has a pretty decent game section, believe it okay. or not. No, I know they do. Yeah. So, um, but their prices are so much higher and it's because they have a, a different kind of overhead. And I mean, I, I mean, I've seen memes online where people are like, uh, going into to Barnes and Noble to check books that I want to look up prices on Amazon. Right. So it's like, Ooh, that looks like a good book. And then you check the price on Amazon, you buy it and you walk out of Barnes and Noble, right? Mm -hmm. Like Barnes and Noble is almost like your, your, um, physically touch and look, maybe flip through it, read the back cover and like, Oh, that's cool. I like this section. And then you buy it on Amazon. And what's so weird to me about all of this is that Amazon is kind of like, part of our lives. Oh, for sure. Like, there's not a single day that I don't go on. I mean, I'm a reseller. It's so like maybe, an addiction. So maybe if I wasn't a reseller, it oh, would be different. It's the same way, for sure. But, you know, I think about back then when you needed a book, I just went to the library. Yep. And if the library didn't have it, I usually would go to I'd go to Barnes and Noble or go to Remember Borders Books. Yep. And a lot of times you'd have to order, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. like specific books, like they'd have all of like the, the you know, New York Times bestsellers and things like that, of course. And like the big big books, but there were times like I'd get into a hobby, like a certain type of, you know, whatever I'm wanting to get into. And it's like, well, I'm gonna have to order this book and it's going to be a week before Barnes and Noble gets it. And then I got to go and pick it up. Right. And so it was inconvenient. And it's like, if I'm going to go through that process of calling or ordering it online, I might as well just buy it online and have it shipped to me. Yeah. hundred percent total game changer. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned on that, like the computers look so old that they were like scrolling through, but <laughs> it's like these bulky, heavy things. Yeah. But I mean, he saw it. Right. But, but think about it too. Like we even talk about like hustlers just because you're like, first in on something and you see like there's an opportunity here doesn't mean you're going to be successful. I mean, look at how many dot-com companies didn't make it, right? So it's not just like he just started something. Obviously, there was more to it. He was able to find success in other ways to make this keep going. But he did see this is a growing market that's untapped right now and he capitalized on it. So, but And before we move forward to our next clip, think about that. Like I'm sure in the 90s and those of you that have been reselling for a long time, comment below. We'd love to know. Did I just flow? Comment sure. below. We love to know. Did I just flow? Yeah, that's our that's our new rap video <laughs> for you. I did try one on TikTok. Did you, I hope you didn't catch it. Out. I didn't watch that. It was pretty sad. It's all good. Hey, listen, it's all good. All right. You reach a point where you just don't care anymore. But what I was going to say is I'm sure in the 90s, you know, we talk about how there's always, there's kind of like this, I don't know, this spirit or this kind of era of like, everything that's been sold has been sold already, right? The right. market's saturated. Like there's nothing else you can do, blah, 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 blah. But Bezos found it. Yep. Right. Cause I'm sure at that point in time, people are like, Oh, there's no other way to do things. And man, he just broke the mold. So that encourages me that now as a reseller, even though it seems like we've pretty much tapped every single way to, to resell, there's plenty of other stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. Change, change is bad for people who aren't willing to adapt. But if you're willing to see, Hey, 
things in the world are changing. How can I capitalize on this? Yeah. Okay. One more. <laughs> Sorry. It just brought up. I, so when I was teaching my one class that I teach a week, we were talking about monopolies and we were talking about business and so on. And I remember asking my students, I said, give me 10 companies that didn't exist 10 years ago. And think about that. You got Uber Eats, you got DoorDash, you got Mercari, you got, I mean, you got social media platforms mm -hmm. that are, there's so many new things. And so I think the same thing applies to reselling. I think whether you're trying to do a Shopify, whether you're trying to do on eBay or on Amazon or private label, things aren't done. There's always new ways to capitalize. So anyways, that was encouraging in that clip. All right, let's roll the next okay. one here. All right. The entire universe that Amazon now dominates did not exist. Amazon.com, this virtual shop claims to be the world's largest bookstore. It didn't take long for Bezos's vision to prove prescient. What makes us different is vast selection, convenience. We deliver right to the desktop. If our catalog were... All right, and Orlando's great editing skills missed the last part. So he finishes, he said, if our catalog was actually in book form, it would be seven phone books full. Holy cow. Right? Oh, no, I think he said seven blocks. Jeez. Yeah, seven blocks. That's what he said. So you th think about... And that was that was an old clip. Like, that wasn't like today. That was, you know, what, the 90s probably? I think that was probably like, yeah, it was like 98 or something wow. or, or 2000 something. I mean, it was, it was old. It wasn't... Yeah. But here's the thing about that is that Back in the 90s, like if you were going to buy anything, like let's say I was looking for, I don't know, let's throw out there, rain spooner shirt. Like I didn't go on eBay, mm -hmm. right? I would, where would I go? Would I go, I don't know, I'd go to like a thrift store yeah. or I'd go to like an antique store. Right. I don't know, let us know. Those of you that were here and reselling, I want to know. But think about it now, there are not only books, but there are thousands of houses full of inventory. Yeah. Right? Thousands, like, our studio, we have inventory in our yep, studio yep. and it's only possible to the e-commerce. Yeah. I can only imagine. Like, I mean, I remember as a kid getting just like the Toys R Us catalog and how exciting and you'd sometimes think like, man, there's so many things you could possibly get in here. It, it Now it's like kids just, they don't even know, right? Like they have, everything's at the fingertips. Like you can just literally buy whatever you want to buy and it's, it's, it's a, yeah, unbelievable. So, but that's why recently thriving. Like yeah. I bought a 49er starter jacket from the nineties that I wish I had, and it didn't take much for me to find, right? And this is why I'm so. I think reselling is going to continue thriving because it's not like, oh, you know, I remember back in the day, what was that? There was that store. It wasn't Montgomery Wards, but it was another mail. It was like a catalog store. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, that's probably before my time. <laughs> I'm as old as so you. So there was now. like Gem and there was, oh, I want to say it, was, it wasn't Fields. Anyways, if you remember, lesson on the comments below. But it was a store that, like, they would give you a catalog. Right. And you could actually go inside the store and, like, check the items out. But the only items available was, was in the catalog. Mm -hmm. Right? And that was it. Mm. Right? But now, man, I can find anything. If there's anything. that pair of Allen Iverson shoes that I got jumped for when I was in high school and I want them back again now, like, I can well, find those shoes. Now, realistically, though... A lot of that is more towards eBay, right? Like Amazon has opened up the new, I mean, there, you can get old stuff on, on Amazon. I'm not saying you can't, but Amazon is a place where literally you've got Walmart, Home Depot, Target, every major brick and mortar, anything you can buy in any of those stores, groceries, right? Anything you can buy in any brick and mortar store for the most part, music equipment, you can get on Amazon. So it's not just the old stuff, like old stuff, I would, I would think eBay, 
but but yeah, you're right. Like you, the number of things you can get, it, it's just it's unbelievable. And even if you live out in a, a town where you don't have those stores, well, I think back back in the day, it used to be you know you'd see a video and people would say, "Look what I have," but it was special because you couldn't get it. Now it's look what I have. Check the link below. Yep. Right. <laughs> totally, totally different game changer. Yeah, for sure. Are you ready for some more Amazon here? Let's see it. All right. Serious. That was awesome. Inside the company, Bezos was a hard-charging manager, relentlessly focused on the principle that would make Amazon one of the most trusted brands in the world. The customer always comes first. This culture of customer obsession, obsessive focus on customer, obsesses over our customers, totally obsessing over the customer experience. I feel that as a customer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's true. I mean, I know there's talk and talk and talk about how Amazon is difficult as as the reseller, as a person who's... But I think this is why. Yeah, but, and that's that's exactly why. But think about it. If they weren't so obsessed with customers, if they weren't so focused on giving the best customer service, would there be as many customers for people to resell to, right? Like, it's the fact that, like, I feel safer buying something on Amazon than anywhere else. There's times where it's like a third-party company. I mean, even I, I love supporting, like, especially when it comes to board games, like local board game stores. I love supporting like kickstarting like from the company itself. But but with certain items, I'd much rather, okay, I can get this. Um, I can get this at this random third-party site or I can get it off Amazon. Even if it's coming from the same source, like it's probably the same distributor sending it to Amazon. I'm buying it from Amazon because I know the return policy is great. I know they're backing their products. I know I could read the reviews. I can read. So, I mean, as a customer, I feel so safe. And yeah, it might sometimes suck as a reseller, but it's because the customers feel so safe that there's so many customers that resellers can can reach. Okay, so I'm going to give unpopular opinion here. Let's see it. You know where I'm going with this. I don't know. Maybe. Should we not as resellers do the same? Well, yeah, I mean, we do. I mean, but you know, the big controversy and, and we talked, we're going to talk about this with the new seller update uh, is, you know, like free returns. Mm. Right. Right. <laughs> you might already react, but, but here's the thing. You talk about Amazon being so safe. And like, I would say the only place that is safer than Amazon is Costco. Yeah. Costco is pretty safe. And Costco actually changed it. I remember back in the day they had you could return anything. I remember my buddy returning a stereo from five years ago, mm. right? And he got his full money back. Mm. They found the transaction and so on. But as resellers, you know, I feel, I mean, I take it a little bit personal sometimes. I'm not saying, you know, I, I, I in any way don't care about when I get returns. Like they hurt, mm -hmm. especially when they're big dollars, especially when they're Amazon. Amazon returns are the worst, mm -hmm. Because yeah, you're right. They they can return for whatever reason. Yeah, and they uh, give example. I don't know if if all of you caught our IG stories, but I posted a few days ago how I sold seven. I think season six, whatever of the West Wing, and I picked it up at the store that shall not be named for six dollars, and I flipped it for seventy on Amazon. And it got returned to me opened. Mm. So basically, they rented. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's that that does think I get that as a reseller. Um, if you're selling through Amazon, you've got it. You're taking that that hit now. Where I think you're going with it too, though, is like on eBay. We should be doing that, and I get that for competitive reasons. We might have to. I think the difference though is, I mean, we talked about this years ago, back when before I ever started reselling or anything, uh, was the loss that Amazon ran at for so long. Like big companies, Walmart, Amazon, a lot of them were able to kind of run in a deficit for a long time and kind of run on expansion and like borrowed capital and like future potential gains in order to get more investors and things like that. Um, and so they're able to take those losses and not feel them 
in a way that the typical mom and pop shop can't. I think that's one of the reasons why, like, you could say, you know, I would feel worse about returning something to a mom and pop shop than I would to a big mm-hmm. box retailer. I agree, I agree. And, I, and I know that, that that there's some some ethical issues there, right? Like, you, you, oh, you know, it's, it, big banks don't need the money or people who do insurance fraud because it's like, well, it's not really hurting anybody because they don't, you know, they have so much money coming in. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when they're talking about millions of transactions like daily, the returns don't hit them as hard, right? And That's so true. That is very customer true. service, I think I think there's a way that the mom and pop sh- stores are able to be more customer focused than big retailers, but not necessarily free shipping. I think you kind of choose. There's people, you go in, in the same way with restaurants, right? You go to the mom and pop place, maybe paying a little bit more, but knowing they know me, they know my order, they know what I'm looking for. They hold things in the back of the room for me. And people go for that kind of customer service as opposed to, just the big box store customer service of I can return. They're going to have what I'm looking for, you know, that type of Mm -hmm. thing. So I think that there's a way as an eBay reseller or as a typical reseller of providing customer service that isn't necessarily the same. It's just two different types. And I think people know that people know going into it that they're going to get on Amazon. They don't know. That's true. You know what I mean? That's, that's the hard part. I think that's where the struggle is that, I think I need this. Why I always, this is why I switched a little bit. No, not a lot of bit. (laughs) to doing mainly eBay all the way through April because I felt that I had control over my returns. Right? I still would get them, mm. but there's usually I can message. It's on Amazon. There's nothing. But when you take that model, when you're, if you're going to, if you're doing retail arbitrage and you're sending in hundreds of units a week to Amazon, yeah. I think you're telling yourself, I'm now operating in the mentality of I'm not providing one-on-one customer service. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm purposefully switching my customer service model over to the big box. I know, model. I know, but it it's costly. It hurts. It hurts. It but hurts. but you're also able to move more volume, right? Whereas on eBay, if I get a customer complaining about something or I'm they're getting a personal email from me. Mm-hmm. There's back and forth. Whereas you're not getting that with Amazon, but you are getting just, okay, send it back, right? So if you're selling on that platform, you're adopting that too. You're adopting the I'm not going to, I'm switching over from, I know my customers to, I'm accepting a ton of returns, but I'm also selling at a velocity that it's going to offset that. No, I get that. And I will say of, of anything from that clip that I got, and I already, this is something I, I guess I already became indifferent to returns. It still hurt a little bit, but for the most part, it doesn't hurt as bad as it used to, is that once I understood that it was only about customer service, right? Mm-hmm. So for I'll give you an example. When when I was, uh, I don't know if you're going to like this example. So when I was an administrator, I would tell you in year three, I was very much about the teachers and, and backing up the teachers all the time. And I still did that. I, I will hope you would attest to that. But I remember my uh, new boss that came from the business world gave me this book on customer service. And it was basically like, you must do whatever you can within ethical guides or guidelines or boundaries, whatever, to make the customer number one. And our institution was a private institution. And so we had to make them number one. And sometimes that came at the cost of you, mm-hmm. or at teachers or at sometimes policies or whatever. And it with that, and that gave me a good perspective when I was recently at that time to understand that this is why Amazon does what it does. Yep. Right? Like I, yeah, you have the right to be upset. Mm. I have the right to be upset. But at the same time, I also have to understand like, you heard it right from Jeff Bezos. It's customer obsession. Obsession, yeah. That It's obsession, not just customer service. It's customer obsession. Right. Now, uh, before we move on to the next clip, um, let's be careful with uh, shaking the table because we're, 
we've got our webcam going and it's a little different. So, all right, well, let's take a break real quick and talk about our social media. If you haven't been following us on social media, we are Pure Soul Podcast on TikTok, on Instagram. Wow, I said TikTok before Instagram. Now I know where your heart is. Things are changing. Things are, I'm telling you. And also on Facebook. And you can also find us on Twitter. We are Pure Soul Cast. If you want to give us a call, thank you all of you that have been calling. We've been trying to get better about getting back to you. 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. And on emails, here's what's going on. So we're getting flooded right now with emails in our inbox, DMs on Instagram, messages on Facebook, messages on TikTok. And so if we're slow to get to you, I appreciate all of you that have been patient. Some of you like emailed us again after a few months. You're like, LOL, you never responded to us. Mm. And we got back to you. And so we appreciate that. So we ask for your forgiveness. We will always look to answer every single one of your emails. And it's a good thing. I mean, with growth, that's what happens. But we care about every single one of you. And also want to say thank you so much for the awesome reviews. Uh, If if you really enjoy this reaction video today, hey, comment about that in the in the you know in the review on iTunes because that'd be another great item to you know share with others that hey, this is kind of the content that PHP provides. Yeah. And then last of all, if you want to say thank you in a monetary way, we do have our link below. Thank you. We had somebody give us an awesome uh, donation this past week, and every single donation is awesome. Uh, so we just want to say we appreciate all of you. And the last of all, if you're listening to a podcast and you kind of see what's going on, catch some of the clips visually, you can subscribe to us on YouTube and hit that notification so you're notified whenever things drop. Yeah, and let us know what you're thinking about these clips. I mean, Orlando and I are talking about it this uh, talking about these, but you know, yeah, we want to know what you we're guys just two think. guys, right? Like we're we just two guys. Dead wrong yeah, too. like we want to know what you guys think. Like let's make this a dialogue in the community, not just not just us. There so, we go. There we go. All right, all right. Let's move forward. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. While Bezos was using these insights to bring more and more customers into Amazon, the number of customers who use the website has increased fourfold. There was one thing he hadn't done yet. Uh oh, here we go. The company's never made a profit. That's right. Ooh, that was like what we were talking about. Yeah. Seems like a new math, doesn't it? It, it Bezos would spend years losing money trying to beat his competition. You notice Bezos always smiling. He convinced investors to go along with it. People like people who smile. That's true. One of Jeff Bezos's greatest accomplishments has been his ability to get Wall Street to accept the fact that for 20 some years, Amazon wasn't going to be very profitable. That's That's okay because they're building infrastructure that will create huge opportunities for them to gain scale and gain customers and gain business. I mean, that's good business. He spelled it it out in a letter to shareholders after the company first went public. It's all about the long term, he wrote. The macro. Rather than short term profits or Wall Street reactions. I mean, all the people who, I mean, all the people, think about it, all the investors who are willing to take those losses, right? So that's, I mean, everybody says. We'd be loaded if we invested in Amazon. People say, like, if you can go back and tell your 15 year old self anything, what would it be? I think it'd always be buy Amazon stock, right? Like, and, and the reason is, it was people who had very long-term views. Like one thing I've read many of Warren Buffett's essays, man's a genius when it comes to investing. Uh, and I think Franklin Graham was his, uh, was his, the guy who like taught him, maybe it's Franklin Graham, something I Graham. I don't know. Something I don't know Graham if it was Franklin Graham, but no, 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 I'll no. look it up right now. But anyways, um, so Warren Buffett, um, he, he's a genius in investing. And, and one of the things that he doesn't do is he doesn't invest in companies he's not sure about. Right. So like, 
technology just was not the area that he would get into. Um, he even admitted like he's a, a good friend with Bill Gates and like he's still, I mean, I think he's starting to invest more into technology, but he knew he wasn't good at that stuff. So he invested in what he knew, but it was Benjamin Graham. Benjamin Graham, that's what it is. So he always, he always would look at like, do I trust the owner of this company? Like that is like first and foremost in in Warren Buffett's strategy. Does he trust the CEO? And if he doesn't trust the CEO, he doesn't buy into the company. And he wants to buy at a value, right? So he's only going to buy stock if it's going to make if he's sure he's buying it under its actual value. Um, but one of the things that Bezos was able to do here is he was able to convince investors that this business strategy is a long term strategy. And I, I think many, many people are only looking for short term game, right? Mm -hmm. And and again, it, Amazon could have failed. All those people who invested in it could have been wasting their money. However, it worked, right? Like his strategy. And let's be honest, like most individuals can't do that. But think about what going to colleges and getting student loan or a lot of things people do taking on business debt, right? What they're saying is, I know that in the long term, this is going to pay for itself and more. And so you've really got to trust a company. You've got to trust what they stand for. And I think all of those investors would have had to have trusted Bezos for what he was selling and what he was doing to say, look, my stock, it's only going to go up if people are valuing it, but it's actual value. Because like that's what Warren Buffett would look at. How much return on investment am I getting? What are the dividends that this, this is paying out on a regular basis? And if it's not paying out dividends, which I'm assuming, and I don't know enough about Amazon stock, but I'm assuming if they were running at a deficit, they're not paying stockholders and investors dividends on a quarterly basis, right? They are showing loss in their actual value, but people were seeing the benefit of it. And that's pretty impressive that Bezos was able to convince people. Yeah. And I was thinking of this practically. So it's kind of scary in reselling because there's kind of two ways to see things. So I've heard a lot of people saying that Amazon, you know, you may go two years without a profit. Right. And I, I could say that there's some truth to that. I mean, I had one year where I was in, in the loss and it did help me, you know, tax wise. Uh, but it was it was kind of scary. Right. And the other part of it is, yeah, you when you resell, it is there is a point where, you know, when you're a hobbyist or we talked about this part time reseller, like it's really easy to keep that momentum and keep that investment. Right. Because you know, you're not worried about needing more inventory and growing and scaling. When you go full time, you got to make sure you pay yourself. Right. But the other part of it is you want to get to a place that you're going to have consistent sales. And what that means is you may run. I don't know exactly what, what I call it, but after you pay yourself, you may end up at a deficit for a little bit of time. Right. Because you know, eBay takes a little bit longer or Amazon, right? Here's the toughest thing about Amazon. There's a lot of upfront costs, right? So in Q4, remember I had that one Q4 where I dropped tens of thousands of dollars and I didn't see that money probably until the end of December, mm. right? So I did run at a deficit for a little while. I'm not encouraging you run at a deficit, but sometimes that's what it takes, mm. right? You always hear that thing like good businesses take five years mm -hmm. until they finally, you know, become profitable. Become profitable, yeah. So I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. But I think there's some truth there. And I think what Bezos did, and we'll see this later on in the video, is that he had a strategy. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to lose money to build infrastructure. I'm going to start buying out these other areas eventually to grow the company. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, with whether you're doing any kind of reselling is you want to get to a place where we've talked about this. You want to build and build and build and build capital. So then when those big buys happen you can make them happen. Mm -hmm. So that's why you may be running at a deficit because you're constantly reinvesting your money 
instead of putting it somewhere else. Right. Does that make sense yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hopefully, all right, let's keep rolling. All right. The only people that knew superduperhoops.com were the ones that were searching to buy a basketball hoop and saw our name on an advertisement. To us, it was really a no-brainer. We knew that com. we would you know, increase our sales. First year, we did 100,000. Next year, we did a million. We did 2 million, 4 jump. million. We were doubling yeah. every year in the early days. It was great for the companies and even greater for Jeff Bezos. Watching the video, Amazon Bezos is the always recognizable smiling. name in e-commerce. Not only would he take a cut of everything other businesses sold, he'd also keep his own store on the platform, competing against everyone else in the marketplace he owned and controlled. Yep. That's big. Uh, he owns the Main Street. He has the Main Street real estate. Not just one building on a corner, the entire Main Street. Yeah, I think that's what we always go back to, though, right? Is the idea that that people there's that complaint that Amazon competes against you, and I think I had a good comparison when I talked about Costco, right? Well, companies will come in and Costco will make their own brand. I mean, Kirkland brand is huge. Um, and I think that's a good com like comparative, like Amazon does. Yeah. Walmart has great value, right? Yeah, and private label. Yeah. It's private label for them and they own that. Um, but again, I think as a reseller, the fact that, that, that you're getting on their platform and, and it's true, like they might have the biggest platform and you might not have much other choice, but being there as opposed to like, well, you can run your own website. Like if you want to, I mean, I hear a lot of people who, you know, whether it's, you know, political commentary people or, you know, whatever it is. Or resellers saying, hey, I'm just going to do Shopify or I'm going to start my own website. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so some people say like, you know, we don't like the restrictions that YouTube is giving or we don't like the, the new policies of Facebook. We feel like they're limiting certain things. And it's like, well, there should be another social media that we should make. And it's like, well, you can like the, the free market lets you like in, you can make your own website and you have full control over it and you can try and build your own Amazon empire. Or you can say, I'm going to use this existing infrastructure. I'm going to to capitalize on it at the risk of they control which products are up at the top and that's they have, a, you know, that's a lot of heavy lifting though. You have to do a it yourself. A lot of heavy lifting. So, you know, that's one of the things that I've, I've always, we haven't shared this as much, but you know, a lot of people get upset about eBay fees and we, we do too. Like we're not fans of the upfront insertion costs, right? I'm not a fan of the 33% cut. I mean, it's somewhere around that Amazon takes or the 20% that Poshmark takes. But here's the thing with all these platforms, think about what you're getting. Yeah. Right. Think about with Amazon. Amazon, the velocity of sales cannot be compared. I mean, superduperhoops.com just ver verified that. Mm -hmm. And that was years ago. It's still like that now, mm -hmm. right? It's a lot more competitive. But that's the thing, you know, you need to think about. Like, you may get stuck and go, like, oh, I can't stand the fees. I'm leaving Phoebe. Mm -hmm. I'm done with Phoebe. Or I'm. I'm done with, I don't know, I got to come up with a nickname for Poshmark or, mm. or Mercenary Mercari or whatever it yeah. is. But in the end, if, if you think about what it takes, like I, I, we have a lot of dropshippers that listen to us and, and follow us and, and they shared some of their knowledge that they spend thousands of dollars on Facebook ads, mm. thousands of dollars, right? And some of them have left dropshipping because they would make maybe 10% profit and they put so much uh, cost up front. So they could say, hey, I had a million dollar in sales, but it was 100000 And then it was less than 100000 because then they had these fees and then they had returns and then they had ads and they had mm -hmm. uh, this. And then maybe they ended up getting 30 or 40K for the year, right? Yeah. So, and there was a lot of babysitting and, you know, making sure that the certain ads were in play and making sure that these stores had things in stock. And so... 
just kind of what you got to deal with. Right? Yeah. And one thing I kind of, and I know some people may disagree with this, but one thing that kind of, I think is a little loaded and unfair with a statement that was on that clip was as good as it was for other people is, is even better for Bezos. Right. And I almost don't know if that's fair to say, because the reality is if you really think about it, unless you live in a, in a place where there's uh, some kind of a tyrant dictatorship where they are literally like taking from you and forcing what you can buy. Nobody makes their money in, I mean, there's, there's exceptions, there's thieves and things like that, but, (laughs) but in, in general, the richest people don't make their money unless they're providing a benefit to other people, right? Like, so think Mm -hmm. about like the creation of, of the iPhone, right? So yeah, who benefited more from that? Apple or all of the people who's now have access to the internet in their pocket that never would have had that before, right? So you can say like, well, Apple is the I'm one that benefited the most. Android guy is saying this. Well, you know, because it's, you know, the iPhone was the first one. Maybe but, he's turning. No, um, but, but it's true. So you could say that Apple is the one that's benefiting from this, but literally the reason why Apple was able to make its millions and Bill Gates was able to make his billions and all of these things is because they're providing a service that's making everybody else happy, right? So they're making their money. Bezos, yeah, like maybe he's benefiting in an extreme way from this, but think of the way he's changed everybody's lives, right? Now, he's not going to do this for charity and think about, like you just said, like how much money he donated, right? So so even that money, how many of us would say like, you know what, I'm going to give, I'm going to give $500 or $400 to climate change this year, whatever it is that he's donating money to, Whereas when we're buying things off Amazon and then he's making a profit and then that money goes like, so ultimately like people make their money cause they're providing a service. And you're, so you're a good PR person for Amazon. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying I I, it's, it's re- a free market, right? No, you're being real. I'm not saying, but it's, it's, it's I, I like your argument. I see mm. where we're going with it. I, I'm good with that. So. All right. We're ready for the next one. Yeah, we are. Right. They have launched here. a strategy that some called the gazelle project. Oh, this gets intense. Because they'd Fuck. heard Bezos wanted them to pursue publishers the way a cheetah pursues a sickly gazelle. Yeah, boy, you don't go after the strongest. It's like the cheetah. The cheetah looks for the weak, looks for the sick, looks for the small. That's what you go for. So don't start with, hey. you know, number one publisher. Start with number seven. I wonder if this guy is sleeping well after publisher. this documentary. And by the time you get to number three, two, and one, the noise has going to get gotten back to them. They're going to know this is coming, and chances are you may be able to settle that uh, without a full-on war. Ooh. I don't, he's, so give you a little background on that comment. So there were certain people that were allowed by Amazon to speak mm. on behalf of Amazon. Then there were others that were people that formerly worked for Amazon, mm. right? That statement is is discussed multiple times throughout the documentary, mm. right? But it's... The, the gazelle. The gaz- <laughs> but think about that business-wise. Isn't that... I mean, we even... If you, if you bring that down to like the basics of what we do reselling, we will tell people that too, like when it comes to like getting into a niche. Start with what's easy and simple. Build up, build your capital, build. Yeah, but this is a little different though. No, but but if if you think about the concept, like, okay, we're a company, we've got a certain amount of money to buy. We can spend all of our money and try and buy this big company that's our competitor or somebody, you know, th- that's going to be very expensive, could crush us if, if this deal doesn't go through right. Yeah. Or we can buy somebody small and now we're a little bit bigger and then we can buy somebody a little bit bigger than them. And before long, 
we're equal to or already higher than our competition, and it's an easier acquisition. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot of companies do that. Like um, my wife worked for a company called HD Supply, which was a used to work used to be owned by Home Depot, um, and they kind of sell like things for um, you know doing hotels and stuff like that. They they do all of the it's like Home Depot for hotels and and government buildings, but. Home Depot and other companies were competing with them by buying other companies like Granger, right? So like, we're going to acquire Granger. We're not going to acquire HD Supply. We're going to acquire Granger. And now that we own Granger, we own a bigger share of this market than we did before. And now we're a bigger competitor for you. So if it ever comes time to acquire HD Supply, it's easier for them because it's like, we have so much share in this market. You're not going to start with the big dog. You're going to start smaller. I mean, that makes sense. No, it makes, I don't know if I would refer to a cheetah devouring a gazelle you know what i mean like i don't i don't like i agree with you i mean i think i think amazon was smart in doing that if they wanted to scale i mean because it's hard i mean i would say you know there's certain niches 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 whatever you want to say where it's like me and two other sellers right and if i want if i try to go toe-to-toe with those sellers it's really tough mm-hmm. right but if there's you know there's a few other sellers on that item whether it be on amazon or whether, you know, because on Amazon, I can see how many people have an item listed, right? So I could technically, and I, I haven't done this, by the way, but there are people that do this. I can drop the price, right? Undercut that individual. And then event, that person's like, oh, I'm done. And they leave Amazon, right? They leave the listing or they drop the price. People do this all the time. I don't do this. I'm just, this is my disclaimer. They'll drop the price really low. They'll sell a ton and then they'll back out. And then that other person doesn't catch on the repricer and then they sell out. And now they own that listing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's it, some of that happens on eBay. If we talk about this on eBay, where if you have a lot of an item and you want it to replenishable or something, right? You don't try to compete with others. You try to compete with those that have the lowest price, right? Because you want to sell and sell and sell and sell. Mm-hmm. And eventually you're the only one that people are going to. And then you raise your price. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit of what Amazon did here, yeah. right? They, or like Starbucks. Like Starbucks would buy a small property or they would take over another um you know, coffee shop and they'd, they'd get the small area. And then once they have that and they build enough capital, then they can buy a bigger place and more area. Like, so that's how expansion usually works. You usually don't go into a market and say, I'm going to, I'm going to buy the biggest building that I could possibly buy right off the bat. You usually buy a couple small places until your name gets bigger and you go like, that just seems normal. I, I think that might be when it's phrased is like, we're going after the week. But if you think about it, you usually do. If, if you're, if you're going to acquire a business and you're going to buy, are you going to buy if, if your capital's low and you're, you're not ready to like buy a Walmart, right? You buy the mom and pop shop and get a little bit bigger, brand your name, buy a store that's a little bit bigger. And now you've grown, right? So usually that's, that, that, that seems smart. That seems like business to me. Yeah, I mean, one thing I do see, and I see it here locally is that there are certain people that have certain things that they sell well, and they're well connected in the city or the county or whatever it is. And a lot of new sellers, instead of going after the, the I would say, like the smaller like ways to mm-hmm. access stuff, they try to undercut the the big time resellers in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that they lose. Yeah. Because those people have well-established connections. Yeah. They have well-established relationship with these individuals that, yeah, this this bigger, you know, whether it be dealing with books or whether it be dealing with apparel or whatever, whatever it is, like, they they have this relationship. And it's going to be very hard. And if you try to undercut this person, 
then that bigger person, they're they're gonna close off yeah, like avenues for you, right? Yeah. So you know, it's just yeah, it's just the way it is. Uh, I don't know. I still struggle with. The, I think of like Bambi and this cheetah, and it just doesn't. I mean, that's that's doesn't that's, resonate with that's me. That's the that's bit. the rhetoric of it, right? I mean, when you when you present it when you present it in a way of like go after the weak and it's like that intense and it's like go after the sickly go after the weak then it's like there's an emotional reaction there but do you think the small company who settled with am not settled but like made it hey we're gonna now be owned by amazon and we're all gonna get either a big payout as they buy us and we're agreeing to this or we are now going to be working for amazon as, a, as opposed to being the small company like they're winning, right? Like, yeah, we'd love to be the the small publisher who couldn't compete with these big publishers. And no, now- there, there is an advantage. That is, you're right. And if you guys watch the documentary, you'll see that that statement gets replayed. And the the problem that happens that, and we want to have clips of it for this uh, reactionary video, is that depending on who they ask, they differ. They phrase it differently. No, they differ. Like one person is just like, I don't know. I don't I don't recall that or something to that effect. So anyway, I don't remember exactly. Check out the documentary. All right. Next clip. Amazon is one of the most important drivers of Amazon's growth. When you go on and you look to buy a product and it's available in two days, delivered to your door so nice. anywhere in the country, that Amazon Prime program becomes a mechanism that keeps bringing you back as a customer yep. to keep buying so and true. searching for new products on Amazon. I bought two things today. Two-day delivery anywhere in the country was a big promise for a company that, at the time, had less than 10 warehouses. Wow. So Bezos went on a building spree. That's genius. I mean, that's crazy, though. I mean, that's a risk. Like, here's the thing. Like, it could just as easily have all fallen apart, right? Like, it could have. he could have made this promise. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. Amazon's done, right? And that's where I think the all the people who invested in Amazon, like it's easy to say, like, man, I wish I would have. But in reality, like if you're now, if you're just like a normal person, you're like, I'm I've got five hundred dollars to invest. Maybe you're not thinking about that. But if you're like, I'm investing a million dollars into a company right now, and you're looking at a company that's making promises and they're like, But don't worry, we're gonna build new buildings that we don't have the money for. The you know what I mean? Like you'd be like, uh, okay, I'm gonna go invest over here in Walmart, right? Cause like they have buildings. So I think the, all those people took huge risks, huge risks. And so all the people who did invest in that, like it's kind of well-earned money. So I'm, I'm up in the air about this scenario because do you remember one of the former CEO of eBay, one of the things he said at eBay opens like, well, we're not going to, you know, get you pay, paper toilet rolls or whatever, like in, in four, in two days. Like uh, that's right, not what right. we're about. Right. And I remember when he said that, you know, there was a big cheer and mm -hmm. they'd be like, yeah, eBay. Right. And I get it. But, I don't know. I, 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 you know, all the time I feedback and again, feedback on eBay really doesn't matter, but I always get fast shipping. Like the other day I shipped out a shirt that I sold priority within California. It got to the person within 24 hours. Mm. Like think about how, how good it feels when you get something like right away. Right. All right. Cause I do see, and let us know in the comments, you think that eBay should have, like we should ship faster. I don't know. I'm interested because I do find that one of the reasons that I have repeat customers is because, man, they know when they they buy from me, I ship same day and it's going to get there and it's going to get there fast. Right. And I know with Amazon, when I hit that, the filters is that prime filter. Right. I'll do prime. And now it gets to the point that I'm looking for the one day. Mm. Like If there's not one day, I'm not buying from you. Yeah. 
right? And if there's two day and it's kind of sketchy, because sometimes you'll do two day and it'll tell you like, actually, it's going to arrive on this day. Yeah. I'm like, nope, not doing this one. So I think you should really consider whether you're doing, you know, Amazon, obviously you have no choice, <laughs> but if you're doing eBay and Mercari and Posh and all those, like some some might disagree. Maybe, maybe I'm off, but I find that even with vintage items, and the faster you get, the greater customer satisfaction you're going to have. And I think Amazon recognize that. And I only think it's going to get even more serious. Yeah. Well, I mean, even probably part of part of UPS, FedEx, USPS becoming more and more efficient probably came from the demand of Amazon yep, because they're moving true. so much to say this stuff needs to go quicker. And so these companies, if they want to get the Amazon contract, are going to have to prove that they can move things quickly. So, you know, again, Everybody benefits, whether or not you're buying or shipping and selling on Amazon, because they have forced UPS and FedEx to compete, right? Like mm-hmm. shipping has gotten faster. So again, potential benefit. Okay. All right. Next clip. Here we go. But at the same time, complaints have persisted. Well, we're not done yet. People who've worked in warehouses for decades say this is different. This is not the same. We're here today because we want to make sure that these workers know about their rights in the workplace, especially around heat. I'm going into the Jerry warehouse is an advocate for warehouse workers in the San Bernardino, California area, an Amazon hub we had some with 10 fulfillment centers and over 15,000 employees. Wow. Because of the way that Amazon operates, because of the way that they set their rates for productivity, it's a lot harder work physically, but also psychologically. We sat down with a group in San Bernardino who'd recently worked at Amazon. When they first got here, I thought it was exciting. Like for me, I was thinking maybe I could find a, a place where, you know, I'm going to set roots of, of a good job, you know, move up in, in place. But after being there for a while, I was like, there's no way. It's like, okay, this is where I could probably make a career. But once you work there for a certain amount of time, it's just like, it's... I'm waiting for the different opinion in the room. How they yeah. expect you to work. Like dozens of workers it's we've spoken to around the country, sure. yeah, I guess they say they've struggled to keep up with the rate Amazon expected them to pick and pack items. How realistic are the rates that they're giving you? I mean, what's not realistic at all? Unrealistic. Not, not realistic? No. There's n- absolutely no way to make rate. You know, you got to find little ways to, to cheat it. Because once know. you hit rate, no, by I, the end of I the mean, week, I understand that. They raise it. They bump it up again. Because they start saying, you, hey, people could, could hit those rates, could hit those numbers. Hey, let's push them a little harder. Yeah, I think Every a lot of businesses like are like that. Mm-hmm. My dad and brother both worked at an Amazon uh, factory, so yeah. I kind of have some insight. Security oh, really? cameras okay. right behind you at all times uh, that are looking at you um, 24-7. And if you don't meet standards or the rates, you're out the door. You're just disposable. Every worker has a scanner at all times that basically track exactly where you're at. Be intense. And they have a little blue line at the bottom of the screen. And it has like how many Look at the seconds, seconds on that screen. That you have to have intense. it done by the time it hits zero. And it puts you into panic mode. And pretty much you can't talk to people. You can't be in the same aisle as them. You just constantly have to sit there scanning like a robot all day long. Yeah, it's if a they catch you, though, you know? by scanning, you get it right up. And what they're doing is they're producing this massive data that they are using to be able to analyze the entire workforce. I can see Amazon doing that. Yeah. We're not. 
I mean, they're an information company, right? So even that's useful. That is true. Um, that's so, true. So my, my dad and brother both worked at a factory at an Amazon factory. A warehouse. Warehouse, yeah. Um, and so it was, I mean, I've heard from both of them. It, it is physically an extremely demanding job. Now, okay. one nice thing about it, and, and again, you know, it, it's tough because everybody's trying to figure out like what's an appropriate like wage, what's appropriate for like living, what types of jobs can pay certain amounts. But, you know, they were making my brother with not even, I think he had a high school, high school degree at the time, but um, no college, dad, same thing. Um, we're able to come in making $18 an hour or close to $18 an hour, $15 an hour. And basically it's a starting job, right? They didn't have any other experience. My, my brother didn't have any other experience. He just comes right into that. And again, he wasn't able to meet their demands. And so he didn't last in the company. He ended up leaving. Um, and, but <clears> I think, so I'm not going to say Amazon is, is a fun place to work at. Like I I've never worked there. I, I feel for any of those people in those room and during the clip, we were talking about how unrealistic the expectations were. Cause I felt that at jobs when I worked at target, man, we had, we had a certain amount of time you had to get through customers, right? Like start to finish on a, on a, uh, scanning had to be a certain time before you, they were actually getting their receipt. And the, the computer kept scores and we got at the end of the week, like reports, like you were at 98% or you were at, and so I think a lot of companies have that. I worked at a call center, same thing where you had to have a certain number of phone calls every hour. If your phone was ever inactive for a certain amount of time during, like you would get called in. And then after the second time you get a write up, you had to press a button to let you know when you were going to the restroom and you only had a certain amount of time. Otherwise it was like, you're spending a lot of time there. Like, I think a lot of companies have that. I don't know if it's exclusively for Amazon, but at the same time, I didn't enjoy being under the clock like that. But I think that's just the nature of those types of jobs. Yeah. Well, and when I'm watching this, like I'm empathizing because I remember I've, I shared this before. I hate working in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a loss prevention job at JCPenney that I was supposed to get and I did get it. But they told me I had to work in the warehouse for a month. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why, but I was miserable. And this is JCPenney, not even Amazon. But what I'm thinking about that is this is why we do reselling, mm -hmm. right? I, I would say the longer I've been a full-time reseller, the more I'm like, I'm never going back to the nine to five. Like I am done. I might go back, but <laughs> cause I still love teaching. I might go back. I may one day do an announcement on pure podcast and say, Hey, I got picked up as an administrator here and da da da, but I'll still be reselling. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but when I'm looking, I'm looking at these, at these individuals, I'm like, Start selling on eBay. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Start selling, like, do something. And this is, you know, I, I guess I got to bring in Gary V in every episode that we do, but, uh, your boy. This is what's so powerful about his message is that if you hate what you're doing, like, he'll say, just get up and leave. Mm. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I would say, but he's very much of like, hey, you have those extra hours in the evening, spend those hours and do a side hustle. So eventually, like what you have to do, no longer do you have to do that anymore and you can do what you want to do. Yeah. Right. And I know everybody comes from different circumstances, right? I mean, it's, it's not easy. I mean, I have family members myself that they don't have a lot of money. And so even picking up eBay is tough for them because they don't have, they don't have a computer and they don't have Wi-Fi, and they don't have, you know, there are certain things you do need to do reselling. Mm -hmm. Right. But we also have others that we know source with their bicycle, catch the bar train in the Bay Area and source. You know what I mean? And they list on their phones and they print and they set up a mobile printer to their phones and they print labels and they scale and they build up. And so to me, hearing those individuals, I feel terrible for them, right? Whatever they're going through, whatever, you know, for a reason, it's become a struggle. 
But at the same time, it should be motivation to all of us here in the reselling community to keep doing what we're doing. And if you're in a place that you're stuck and you hate being there, reselling to me is one of the biggest avenues for you to break free from there and do what you want to do. Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's a good, um, you know, sales pitch and motivation for why reselling is so good. I'm not selling anything. Uh, just telling truth. Yeah, but um, the other thing that I'm thinking, okay, so like two I, that brought up two ideas with the the how difficult that job is. So they mentioned fifteen thousand jobs in the San Bernardino area, right? Like that's that's pretty incredible. No, in the next clip, Amazon's gonna. T- I, I I thought it'd be fair to let Amazon share their side. Oh of yeah, it. We'll, we'll show that. But but I just think of two things with that. One, fifteen thousand jobs. That's which, a lot of jobs. Even if that's even if Okay, so that might not be the job for you. Like my dad has knee issues. It wasn't the job for him to be running around in a warehouse. Yeah, right? we have a good friend. We have a friend of ours who's a podcast that, you know, did Amazon for a little bit and they're like, well, it's too much. For yeah, me, it's you too know? much. But here's the thing. It, what it's doing is it's removing somebody. It's opening up other jobs other than Amazon, right? Because somebody who might feel a, a job where they're sitting in front of a computer like, hey, I can go get some more money working at this warehouse. And so it's moving people out of other jobs into Amazon. So if Amazon's not the place for you, there's more open spaces mm. other than Amazon, right? Like, Because that means there's 15,000 people who aren't in the workplace competing against you for the same job other than Amazon, True. right? Because they're in Amazon. Um, and then, you know, so that's, I mean, I guess... I guess that's the only thing I had something else to say, but I can't remember what it was. So, Sorry. I mean, if you remember, we'll bring it back. Yeah. All right. Keeping it real. All right. Here we go. Next up. Now to hear Next what step. Amazon has to say. Treated as human beings. We're not even treated as robots. We're treated as part of the data stream. It's the incentive at any warehouse on any assembly line to get the most out of any worker, you know, to make rates, to, to be as efficient as possible, to be as productive as possible. So I don't see exactly what's different about Amazon as opposed to any other warehouse. Amazon is the cutting edge. Other warehouses are starting to adopt these technologies. Other companies are definitely interested in doing what Amazon is doing. Data collection could become basically the standard for all workers. And then Look at that warehouse, ne- though. I mean, I've seen those before, but it's always like, up. that's super intense. They obviously made it in fast motion, so you're like, well... Amazon told us work rates are not based on an individual employee's performance, and that the scanning devices workers use are not for tracking people, but inventory, a common practice in the warehouse industry. That makes sense. We've talked to workers around the country, both current and former workers. They've described the pace of work as being really grueling. In the early thinking about rates and how far you could push human beings in terms of their productivity, what was the thinking about that? Well, obviously, if the rates are too high, you're not going to have people showing up for work. So we have 600,000 people yeah, at the can't company. Work Most of them hard. are in the fulfillment centers. And uh, they, they uh, come to work every day. They stay for years. These are considered great jobs in the hundreds of communities where we have fulfillment centers all over the world. And in the U.S., we have almost every state has an operation in it. And people come to work because these are great jobs. They're safe. Yeah. If it was a terrible place, they wouldn't have any minimum wage. We have terrific benefits. The benefits for the folks that work on the floor are the same benefits that my family has access to. Our family leave is like 20 weeks. So uh, the rates are set so that we can accomplish what we need to, which is get orders to customers in a, a reasonable time and in a high quality way. And that creates a workplace that people want to come back to and they do. Interesting. Amazon yeah. wouldn't tell us how long fulfillment center workers stay on the job or how often they're injured. 
But workers we spoke to say the rates are higher than other warehouses. I don't know, though. And the workman's company comp companies don't like that. Like, no, I agree. like if, if they're workman's comp, like, again, like you have to think it's a business. So, yes, it is possible. Like, we're not living in a time now where, like, the factory work, like, they could force people to work because there was no other jobs and they'd work long so hours. So many laws in place. Yeah, like, like the, the amount of laws that are in place to pr protect. And I just think, like, how many companies have, the, like, how many days without an injury, right? Because every workman's comp injury... Every injury to an employee costs the company so much money. Mm -hmm. So they're going to make sure that their employees are as safe as possible. Um, so is it possible it's higher than other places? I mean, and if we're wrong, let us know in the comments. Yeah. Maybe I mean, we're off. I, again, like, I don't want you guys to think like I'm not empathetic or I'm not, I, I don't feel for people who are going through difficult, like, work environments because man I've been, I've been in some very difficult work environments um and, and it's i mean even me right now as a as a public school teacher i've got to worry about state testing and that are, are the students going to get the scores I, that they need and sometimes the expectations of students is it's almost unrealistic that i can get certain students to a certain place based off of their backgrounds right and it's like it, it's it's just not reasonable but these expectations are on me and so i think everybody no matter what your job is you, you're going to face some of that um but I, what i was going to say before is if Amazon were to be able to go, because they keep talking about robots, but then the other idea is if they were to switch to just robots doing everything, people would be upset because now robots are taking human jobs. Like So, so no matter what, there's going to be a downside and an upside to, to environments. Well, and it's so, a conundrum as a reseller, right? Because how many times have we gotten upset as resellers? Like, why is stuff in the warehouse hasn't been checked in, mm. <laughs> right? Or why haven't, you know, the big one for me is like, why does stuff take so long to ship? Mm. They're supposed to be doing two day and some things sit like a week. Mm. Right. So I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll be more empathetic yeah. next time we see that. So sometimes you're in the, the background, like work faster, but then you're like, Ooh, those are real people. Yeah. That but after watching this documentary, you'd be like, okay, there's faces to this. Yeah. And you know, I, I think I'm good. Like Amazon take care of what they need to take care of. And We'll see. I don't know. I to me it brought humanity to those times where I'm looking at my Amazon app and going, "Why have you not shipped this out?" Yep. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's so, a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Like even as resellers, you know, it's easy to say like, you know, we want them, we want them to not have to work as hard. But then at the same time, then as customers uh, buying stuff from Amazon or as people using Amazon as a platform to resell, you also have to say, "Well, am I okay with?" two day shipping going to four day shipping and losing a bunch of customers. Like, so there's, there's that, that, that balance. And I think, I think it's one of those things that because Amazon is so new, this type of thing is so new. That's going to take is. time it's to find that so balance. so new. Yeah. I think we can't forget like how new this is. You know, we're going to look at this 50 years from now and we're going to be in a whole different place. Oh, for sure. 10 years from now. 10 years from now. And we're talking about it now. Like this is brand new, yeah. but actually, I mean, no, we're talking like it's brand new and it is, but it's only what fulfilled by Amazon. What two thousand nine? I yeah. think is when it started. I could be wrong, but it's, it's only a little bit over a decade, and not even that big back then. So, okay, all right, here we go. Next clip. There is a pretty high safety standard on Amazon, and that assumption would be incorrect. Ooh, Ooh. roasted. She says that's because Amazon, like other tech companies takes the position that it's not legally responsible if its customers are harmed by products sold by third parties on the site. It's our insurance episode. If yeah. someone buys something Check out our insurance that causes episode. harm at Walmart <laughs> or at Target, a consumer can sue Walmart or Target. Right, because no one's forcing you when you come into Walmart to enter the doors of Walmart. They aren't making you sign away your rights. But when do you sign that when you go on Amazon.com? When you make your account. And you accept the terms and conditions. 
People have been challenging Amazon's terms and conditions. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Some have even been successful. Ultimately, who's on the hook when a customer buys a dangerous product it's on Amazon? Right Who takes ultimate responsibility for that? Well, in the rare case where that where something like that happens, if it's a third party seller, the sale is by a, a third party seller. And it is the seller's responsibility to uh, to sell a legitimate product to a customer. And then when Amazon is the retailer and we sell a product to the to a customer, then it's our obligation to make sure that we understand the manufacturer and the supply chain for that product and its and its safety. But when the other sellers are selling in your store, you're not responsible for it ultimately if they're selling your customer. But think about how this would rely to like product. apply to eBay. Yeah. I think the way things work in the US is that uh, the seller of record is the person who is setting the price True. and who saying. is purchasing the product. And for things not sold by Amazon, and it says on the detail page, it'll tell you who the seller is. Uh, it's the seller's responsibility for those things. And for us, uh, it's um, it, it's very clear. It says Amazon.com whenever we sell. I mean, it's true. Even sellers in terms of whether they're actually providing safe products to your customers. We do. We, you know, some of our sales, so about uh, almost 60% of our sales are by third parties. Wow. And uh, those sales, some of them mm-hmm. come from directly from the third party. So we're not involved at all. But you take a cut. I mean, it's it's well, on your infrastructure. That's, that's it goes through Amazon.com. So, so, I mean. Well, it's on our infrastructure not, in terms of the website and payments. But we're and, not. And we're, fees that, you know, you're taking a cut of the sale. Sure. Right? Sure. Uh, and we're providing you know, traffic that, that, you know, it's kind of the way they think about marketing and pay that fee. But, um, uh, it's harder to, before an experience, inspect that, that product. I don't know. I mean, I I see both sides on that one. I do too, but it makes sense. So like when you, if you're going to price match with Best Buy and you, you show them Amazon, it needs to be sold by and fulfilled by Amazon, right? Like, so it can't be a third party. Right. So they're competing with Amazon. They're not willing to compete with third parties. Correct. So we already know that. And so that makes sense that Amazon is saying we take responsibility for anything that's sold by and fulfilled by Amazon. Right. Like if it's the Amazon name on it. But the same thing goes like if, if you're going to say like, well, but a third party person is using your platform. Should eBay be liable for any danger that happens from something that's purchased off eBay? Like, I don't think anybody would say like, yeah, if you were to go to a swap meet and buy something from a vendor at, at the swap true, meet true, true. and something were to go wrong with that, would you sue the swap meet? No, it's like this place is only a platform operating to like connect. So now, that's why insurance is important. That's why then. insurance is important. But then also, I think I think part of it comes down to ignorance. And I don't I don't say that in like like to say people are 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 just purposefully ignorant. But many customers don't realize that a lot of things they're buying are third party. Even though yeah, it so says true. that, We've even talked about that a lot. Of yeah, even though it says that on on the item you're you're purchasing, even though it's in the terms and conditions, and I think part of it is okay. As as customers, do we as customers need to take a little bit of responsibility for knowing the terms and conditions of things that we're using? And do no, we as I customers agree. need to take a little bit of responsibility to say like, I bought this from a third party, you know, so the third party is responsible. I mean, I think it would be tough to say Amazon should be liable for third-party sales if we're not going to say the same thing. What do you guys think? Let us know in the comments because I really struggled with this one because eBay takes, I mean, not eBay, Amazon takes such a cut. There's a part of me that goes, 
part of that cut should have some kind of insurance to cover sellers because they're allowing it on their platform. But if it did, they would take a bigger cut because that would. Well, cut that's what I mean. I don't think they should take a bigger cut. That's that, but. You know, I, I see the hard thing is rationally, I get it. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me, I don't know. Let, let me know why. Why is Orlando struggling with this right now? Because I do struggle with this. Because I go, I, I would say I would struggle more when Amazon gates me after the fact. That's when it really upsets me, right? Because he's he he didn't say the word gate, but that's what he's implying, right? That we take very special precautions that not all items can be sold by all sellers. He didn't say it that way, but he said something to that effect. And for me, it's if Amazon, I don't know, but then he talks about like, you know, it's very hard to inspect a product before the experience. And he's right. Mm-hmm. This guy was a really good PR guy, by the way. I mean, he's not a PR guy. He's one of the executives there. But um, I guess this is why as resellers, as much as I hate saying this, because a lot of people, you know, we did get comments about our interview with Ashlyn mm-hmm. Haddon that are you guys trying to sell us insurance? And we were never trying to sell insurance. We never get even a cut of, you know, Ashland's uh, company. But we were trying to present like, hey, here's why it would be a good idea to get insurance. Here's some risks to think of outside of insurance, you know, why you shouldn't sell some products. And if you do, here's the risks involved, right? But at the same time, now it makes you think like, okay, why wouldn't I, right? And, you know, it's, um, <laughs> I was watching a commercial that wasn't related to, reselling but it was kind of like if you had a brick and mortar store you wouldn't think twice about insurance right right but e-commerce brings in a different dynamic but the hard thing i would say is i think it's just that amazon takes such a cut that you would think that amazon would in some way allow you to purchase some kind of insurance from them that's at a reasonable rate i don't know i'm just thinking out loud yeah i just think as a business like if they were to offer that it would cut so much into their bottom line because if they every loss the cost the, would end up somewhere. Yeah, the, someone's going to pay for that, and it's not going to be Amazon. Uh, and so nobody would want fees to go up, or how many people would opt into like we're going to take an extra five percent, but we're going to insure this item sale, right? Like a lot of people are going to be like, "Yep, nope, not doing that," right? So, um, and, and again, like, do they want to take liability for things like if you're selling an item on their platform and it causes a death or something tragic to happen? Um, I mean. For them to be, for them to be able to consider everything, they would gate way more, right? They would have to say like, "We're gonna, you've got to send your items in. We've got to test it. We've got to send it to this company to check out safety. We've got to put these warnings." Like, it would gate so many people that I think that's true. I think it would. I think it would. It would hurt resellers. Now, the examples they do give, if you go watch the documentary, they're pretty. Like, there's a hair dryer that like blows fire out of it. Ooh. There's a hover. I mean, you should watch it. There's some interesting things on there. So. All right. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm stuck on that one. All right. Yeah. Let us know what you think down below. Yeah. We'd, we'd love, love to, to know. Big and small have been accumulating complaints about Amazon's hold on them. On Amazon, the customer belongs to Amazon. It doesn't belong to the third party seller. You're basically renting the Amazon customer. That, that's, I don't know if we need to even have any commentary on that one. Yep. Mic drop. That's true. I mean, I feel like we've talked about that. Yeah. But ad it's- nauseum. But it, but it's true that, and that's why Amazon is so customer focused. Like on eBay, I do think you have some kind of control over the customer in the sense that, you know, I've had messages before, and I don't know, I don't want to get in trouble with eBay, but like, if you ever come across this, contact me. Mm. And they figured out ways to contact me. Where I'm not going to say how, but they right. figured out ways. 
and you can do that on Amazon. That's like, hmm. that's, you know, how do you do that? Right? right. I mean, and technically customers, I think they're not supposed to contact you if you do FBA. Hmm. And if they do, it's, it's not in their terms of service. So yeah, it's, but it's true. Like, Amazon, this is why Amazon always will suggest other items. And sometimes you don't get the buy box, right? If you understand that right there, that you are renting the customer and Amazon owns a customer, this is why you don't get the buy box. This is why sometimes you may get items that sell for more to you because your warehouse is closer than somebody else's and somebody else is going to lose it on that sale. That's why Amazon does what it wants. And Amazon's pretty clear about that. I like that phrase. I like that idea of you're renting the customer. And I think there's a lot of negatives to that. Like that's the reason why Nike is pulling out of Amazon. They want to own yeah, their that's customers. True. But at the same time, if you're if you're a reseller and it's like, hey, you can rent all these customers, right? Like it's it's you're willing to take that. You're willing to take all of the negatives that come along with it because the positives outweigh it. Now, if the positives ever don't outweigh all the negatives of renting the customer from Amazon, you'll stop using Amazon. So there we go. All right. <laughs> There's not much to add to that one. All right. Here we go. Next clip. We heard that concern for the customer over and over in our interviews with here Amazon executives. Customer trust in a company like Amazon, it's sort of foundational. Customer obsession is the first leadership principle, and it it's not a corporate slogan. We try to stay really focused on customers. Very focused on um, delivering results for our customers. Providing a great customer experience the customers want. Delivering that 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 customer delight this commitment to the customer and to keeping prices low had another benefit it helped them avoid running afoul of regulators who enforce the nation's antitrust laws so i don't know if you caught this so one of those individuals is jay carney which is uh obama's press guy mm. i mean so we're not uh, press guy or some i don't know maybe i should look him up right now but yeah they very much i mean they're trained very well yeah. But, but it helps you understand. But think of the power that it just said there. By creating such great customer service, they've been able to avoid certain lawsuits and certain, you know, antitrust or probably even, you know, monopoly stuff. Because if if that were to make the news right now, that Amazon is under attack and the government is is trying to put lim- limitations on Amazon, imagine how many customers would be up in arms. No. Mm-hmm. Like don't don't touch Amazon. Don't make things more expensive. Don't make they don't want their customer experience impacted. So it's genius because they've created an army of supporters. Like, I mean, it's one thing to say, like, you know, we've got some, we're upset at Amazon about like conditions in, in warehouses. We're upset about certain things. And, and there might be people who, you know, don't want Amazon to come into their communities or various things like that. But if you were to think like, if you were to actually say like, even when like they started taxing, there were people up in arms. of like, wait, now I have to pay taxes on Amazon. Now, if, if more regulations were to go on Amazon and Amazon were to publish like, sorry, like, we can't do this anymore because of people are going to be up in arms and there's probably enough. Um, there's probably enough, you know, what are they called? Uh, people funding behind, you know, politicians. Constituents. Yeah. Like, like, like saying, no, like you're not going to upset my people. They created like their own political party. Yeah. The Amazon yeah. party. Okay. Play the next clip because the next clip is even more. Next clip is even more. Telling. Which I think is our last clip. Oh man. Don't yeah. let people know we're going to finish here soon. <laughs> Here's why. Uh, the the vast majority of stuff that's, well, all the stuff that's sold is manufactured, right? So it's manufactured, meaning there are brands and factories that produce stuff and then sell it. Um, we're 1% of the retail sales in the world, about. Think about well, you are the biggest market. marketplace online, right? 
No. I, so again, I, I don't, the idea that there's an online distinct for brands to sell their stuff and distinct from physical just doesn't make sense to me. And we're far good. from the largest retailer. So I, I, I describe this as retail and we're competing against Walmart and Target and Costco and Carrefour and this Alibaba and right T-Mall and all good, kinds man. of folks who are, are now selling both physical, physical stores and online. No gazelle stories here. Okay. So, oh man, I, okay. Was that really our last clip? Oh man. Okay. So I had another one. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So we're going to kind of, well, should we replay the clip? What? Like, uh, like acted. I'm just joking. I'm just messing around. Right. Oh, you mean like improv the clip that you didn't yeah. include <laughs> yeah. that I haven't seen yet? Hey, it's our first reactionary video. So, and we could have not said anything. I don't know why I said anything here, but here's the thing. If you think about what he's saying, like he is definitely positioning himself that, Hey, we're not a monopoly because we're only 1%, mm. which he's right. He's right. But when it comes to online sales, they're the biggest. And so I think, but is there a difference? I think I understand what he's saying and I understand why that's protection um, for, again, like you said, like prevent, you know, monopoly. But, but yeah, if you were to look at total retail sales, if it's a small percentage, uh, but they're the biggest of online, but like, imagine you were to say like, this company is the biggest selling of, you know, whatever in a certain type of building, you'd be like, well, that's a weird distinction, right? Like, so if you were to just lump it into retail in general, it's like, okay, now when you're dealing with things like shipping and things like that, yeah, they have the biggest influence. Oh, 100%. But when you're talking about just sales and marketing and things like that, yeah, other other retail places are all of them combined far outnumber Amazon. Um, so, yeah, I guess I understand that distinction, but at the same time, it's like, you know, but you are the biggest in this. But at this, you know, could you say like, yeah, but this company is the biggest of whatever type of, I don't know, like where do you draw the line of of distinguishing types of companies? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get the competition because for us as resellers, right? Like our competition's online. Like I don't, we don't worry about brick and mortar at all. At least I don't think we do. I mean, unless brick and mortar begins to go online, which I can see that as being a trend. And we already see that with stores like Nordstrom and other picking up like secondary clothing and they're probably going to go online with it. What the clip I wanted to share though, and that's remember for the podcast, Spike's like, where's that clip 12? It's kind of like when you go on an elevator, there's no floor 13. Mm. It's kind of what happened here. Like clip 12, like disappeared. But the reason that they're able to not be seen as a monopoly and they make this argument is that monopolies usually, and again, we, you know, we can talk about this later on and what we're going to talk about in this podcast is that monopolies usually are seen as being abusive or, mm. or taking advantage of people. But Amazon's like, no, like we are driving prices down we're making things more accessible to people, right? And so if we truly were a monopoly, then we'd be opposed to all that. Right. But it had me thinking about something. So I don't know. I'm getting a little historical here. And hopefully people hear this all the way through this podcast. But, you know, John D. Rockefeller back in the late 1800s, who would, I would say is probably one of the wealthiest people ever, not even close to Bezos. Mm -hmm. He, I, I think people estimate that he was worth three times what Bill Gates was worth. But... You know, you, you see some of the individuals and you're like, oh, these people, you know, abuse power. And, and they, you know, because Rockefeller in the late 1800s did what Bezos was doing. Like he bought out other oil companies. He drove prices down. But what he did is he made kerosene accessible to so many more people because he drove those prices down. Now, 
the government was able to pull some antitrust legislation against them and it broke the monopoly. But I think right now, and if you catch the rest of the documentary, Bezos and Amazon has, they're not just an e-commerce, mm. right? They're a data management system, yeah. right? They have ring doorbells. They have everything. But like you said, I think the reason right now that Amazon can do what it do, uh, do what it do. Do what it do. <laughs> that was so bad. Why it's able to do what it does is because you can't really make the argument that they are abusing their power when it comes to e-commerce. Yeah, I think I think the as reason, far as the consumer, yeah, as far as the consumer, when it comes to monopolies and antitrust laws, typically the reason those exist is because if there's only one provider of something, and they 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 maliciously or maybe even not even maliciously, but they're they're able to be the only provider, and then therefore they skyrocket prices and they basically price gouge and make it where, sorry, you need water. We're the only people that sell water in this entire area. You're going to pay us $40 a gallon, right? Like that would be the reason why monopoly laws exist. And I know that that some people feel like, okay, but like, what about mom and pop shops that get shut down? But if a company is providing things cheaper and cheaper and faster and faster and more and more convenience, typically you wouldn't look at that as like a negative thing, right? We'd look at that as like, okay, this is probably positive. And again, monopoly would say, like, for instance, board games. I'm just going to use that as an example because that's my thing. Um, so if I wanted to buy the brand new board game or the biggest, you know, whatever is out that's really big, I can buy it at Amazon. I could go to my local game store. I could buy it from the manufacturer. I can buy it from eBay. I can. Buy, there's like 20 places I could buy it online. That's the exact same game. Now, Amazon is usually the cheapest or cheaper or they provide faster shipping or I've already got my pay, PayPal and all that information in there, right? So that's a big thing is is sometimes it might be just as cheap at another place and the shipping is just as fast, but I don't want to sign up. True. So you don't want to drive out there. You don't want to do any of that. Yeah. Or, or just like sign up for a new, like, yeah, and I, I got I to gotta make a, I can't just check out as a guest. The one click to, on the app is super like. Yeah. Boom. But but it's not a monopoly because it would be a monopoly if I couldn't buy that game anywhere else, right? Like that's what I would think of monopoly well, here's what Well, here's what's happening. So... I don't know, you know, I, I will share, we were going to share this on our update episode, but right now Walmart is doing fulfillment, right? And it's only through vendors, but there's possibilities going to go to third party. UPS is now doing fulfillment to third party sellers, wow. right? So taking it back full circle, you know, you always hear the saying that, you know, a rising tide raises all ships, mm -hmm. right? But quote of the week, but from Orlando, but this is what what's happening in e-commerce now, right? And we talked about this with eBay Open. Like eBay Open is very clear, and things are changing now. And I I think there's some changes for the better. We'll have to wait it out and see. But it seemed that a lot of things were like Amazon inspired, right? Right. The buy it again. The you know eBay was going to do managed delivery, which was supposed to be fulfillment by eBay and so on. But what's going on now is that we're going to have other avenues, and they may be cheaper fees. They may be cheaper shipping. And so ultimately, Amazon with Bezos making this space and creating something that we've never seen before has only created other innovation. And I only see reselling being even bigger now because there's going to be even more options for us to resell, which ultimately, I believe, will help us. Yeah. Now, if Amazon bought... Um Walmart and their uh, oh, man, fulfillment okay. and they bought UPS and their then I might say, okay, yeah, but this that, could go down a bad road. Walmart, Walmart, it's not gonna happen. yeah, they're, they're a big, big, powerful company yeah. too. 
All right. Hey, anyways, well, I think we should end it on that note yeah, right there. And this is good. hopefully you enjoyed our reaction video, our uh, first one in. And if you want to see more, let us know in the comments below. Yes. Hit that thumbs up. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do a few more of these, I think. I think so. We'll see how it plays out. So anyways, with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Peace.